want to take you back as we started last week. <laughs> Amos chapter 3, verse 7. What does it mean to be a prophet? Is that some guy that sits around and meditates his navel and goes off in a trance someplace and has some ooky spooky vision? Not necessarily. A prophet in earlier days was known as a seer. One who would foretell sometimes but just as with an iceberg you see just the tip above the surface nine tenths of the iceberg is below a prophet is called to foretell to let people know there is a holy God we are an unholy people I'm not sure who first said it but somebody pointed out the interesting thing is, if I'm going to be God's child, I'm going to act like God's child. After my God is holy, and I'm not, and God's not going to change. We need to be conformed to Him. And the prophet is called to stand and to speak. I want to talk about that first thing a little bit this morning. He has to stand for God. Somebody says, well, I have a cause. I have a purpose. I have a dream. I have a concept. I have some thought I want to get across. I'll tell you what. The prophet stands for God. He's a target. In many cases, it's a thankless job. When you think about the prophets in the Old Testament, so many times they would stand and deliver and the people, sometimes they said, Amen! Tell us the truth, preacher! But a lot of times, well, I don't know. Sometimes the very pious ones, I'll, I'll pray about it, I'll think about it. And sometimes they just ignored them. And sometimes they laughed at them. What does it be? What does it take to be a prophet? <clears throat> to take a stand. The prophet stands for God. In other words, he's, he's in the room, in the stead. We talked. See how Sunday school sets it up. In as much, Jesus said in Matthew 25. When you do a kind deed, because you're motivated by love, especially of the brethren, the person might be sick. The person might be destitute. The person may be forlorn. The person might be in prison. Whatever their circumstance, and you go to them in the name of the Lord, you stand before that one, you are there. You have a care. You know what the Lord said? If you've done any of those things, 
and you do it to one of mine, I count it as if you did it to me. In fact, he says, congratulations to those on the right hand. I was in prison and you visited. I was sick and you cared. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And incredulous, the people said, Lord, I never saw. How could you be hungry? How could you be thirsty? How could you be in prison? How could you be any of those things? I'll tell you how. Inasmuch as you do that to the least of my breath, I count it, you've done it unto me. That gives a whole new meaning to outreach. We think about missions. Uh, did you get a figure? 937. That's great. That's great. We have four gentlemen and their families who are serving God. And we hear from them. It's a joy and a rejoicing. I love to read those letters and we, we like to keep things posted. Hear about what's going on in India. You know about what's going on in Mexico. Know about what's going there in Eastern Europe and also in Thailand. God is doing great things. Not just here in Mena, Arkansas. He's doing great things all over this planet. He is a great God. And His works are wondrous. We need to know that. And we need to show that. But the prophet, sometimes all by himself. I don't imagine there were too many people in the days of Noah that said, you know, I want to listen to this guy. He's got something to say. His congregation dwindled until it was down to just his family members. Do you realize when they had church, if he had a crowd of seven, sometimes that was it. That was his wife, three sons, and three daughters-in-law. And that's it. Lamech had died. Methuselah died. Who's left? A lot of folks to laugh. A lot of folks to snicker and sneer and jeer at him. Lots of folks to ignore him. He was the brunt of a lot of folks' jokes. But he kept on preaching and building, building and preaching. Noah was a prophet. We've got to know that. Abraham was a prophet. Moses was a prophet. David served as a prophet. All of them. And what it is when you're a prophet, I want to talk about this for a little bit this morning, he's the stand for God. They ought to be honored by God's people. You would think that the Hebrews would have really appreciated and considered the fact God sent His man to speak God's message to us. But most of them had other things to do. They had other fish to fry. Other attractions. Other interests. Ironically, Jesus said, you're the ones who stoned the prophets and then you hypocrites, you built great monuments as if to say, we really respect those. They didn't show them a whole lot of respect when they were alive. You see, in the scripture, we don't have a sugar coating. 
Jesus called it as he saw it. Why don't you look with me? In each of the Gospels, he had something to say to let people know. Uh, be careful what you're saying here. Because sometimes there are people who will say, oh, it's, it's such a blessing to have somebody who stands for God. Really? Well, give a listen and put some feet to your prayers. Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. It's interesting. This is the context where Jesus would speak. People say, who is this guy? He's a carpenter's kid. We know. We don't have his family. He's a Joe Schmo. He's a nobody. Where, where is he coming up with this stuff? They had all kinds of questions. And they were offended in him. Can you imagine people being offended at Jesus standing before them? <clears throat> Some people were. Make fun. Turn a deaf ear. Have something else going on. What did Jesus say? A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, and his own house. Isn't that interesting that Matthew records that? something Jesus said. That's a wake-up call. That's a reality check. And he said the same thing in Mark chapter 6 and verse 4. A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Well, surely if somebody's going to honor the Lord, it's going to be not his king. And in the, the company that he would regularly keep. And then in Luke chapter 4, verse 24, Verily I say that no prophet is accepted in his own country. So, that's what Matthew said. That's what Mark said. That's what Luke said. Guess what John says? Same thing. John chapter 4, and verse. 44, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Somebody has said, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And that's true. The Hebrew people should have recognized that when Isaiah or Jeremiah when Daniel would stand as he did before the people we have a song, Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. We're talking about standing for God. But that's, that's what the prophets did. The prophets were given some insight. As I said in, in Amos chapter 3, it says if the Lord's going to do a thing, He reveals it by His prophets. They have the ear of God, if you will. And they were supposed to be believed. I have referenced this not too, too long ago, but it never hurts to be reminded. In Acts chapter 26, Paul was called before the authorities and given an opportunity to speak out. And he's standing before a, a king named Agrippa. And Agrippa's going to try to 
make light of it. You know, oh, ha, ha, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a holy, holy Job too. In fact, uh, he even made a crack about, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. I don't think he was legit when he said that. He was just saying that to try to put Paul off of it. Because here's the king sitting on his throne and this prisoner in chains standing before him. And the prisoner is offering to speak. And he speaks out. He says in verse 26 of chapter 26, The king knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. God's man takes a stand. And he doesn't sneak off someplace. You know, some people think, well, if you're really in touch with God, you have to go off to Tibet someplace or, or go off and live in a cave someplace. Uh, who are we going to take as God's man if they, if they just somebody that we see all the time? Just like it was with Jesus. Carpenter's son. A guy that works with his hands. You don't have a fancy education. You don't have a degree or a title. He doesn't have some honorable pedigree. He's just a Joe Schmo. He's just like one of us. But Jesus, the Son of God, down from His glory He came. He didn't come on a litter carried by angels. Placed in a manger at His birth. Honored by kings who came from far away. And yet, how many of the locals even knew? The angels came. They told the shepherds and the shepherds. And you know, shepherds, no offense if you keep sheep, but a lot of people like the Egyptians, ain't they? Ooh, all these stinky <laughs> old shepherds. Held in disdain. It was the common people. What did they say about Jesus, the greatest prophet of all? The common people heard him gladly. The ones that critiqued him were the muckety-mucks, you know. The ride high in the saddle, that sort of thing. But Paul continues. Remember, here's this fellow in chains standing before the king sitting on his throne. I don't know how many attendants he had, but right now the attention is on this fellow standing before the king. And he says in verse 27, <coughs> King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Here's a man who heard about the prophets. The message and the example set by these prophets, those who according to the book of James endured affliction. The prophets were persecuted for what? For taking a stand. You say, I want to be a better Christian. Take a stand. The cause of Christ should mean a lot more than, well, we go for an hour or two, maybe one day a week. And we do our little thing. I'm afraid there are some people, they think, you go to church so you can be reminded to go to church. 
so you can go to church. So you can go to church. We go that we honor God. We go that we hear the truth. We go that we be energized. Huh. I think I've told some of you this. I spent a little time in Uncle Sam's Navy and the first Sunday we went out there to go to chapel. And after a week of being hollered at and called everything you can imagine and some things I'd never imagined, all of a sudden we had our people with a chapel. And so after the chapel service, the chaplain took us off in a side room and he says, I'm just curious. Uh, why did you decide to come the first Sunday to Chapel of Hope, is what they call it. That's a good name for a chapel, isn't it? Chapel of Hope. And the guy next to me says, well, well I came because I figured there'd be one place where they wouldn't be yelling at me. And I looked at him and said, what kind of church did you go to? If I didn't get yelled at in church, I thought something was wrong. I remember one time I caught myself getting really and that wait a minute, he, he's talking about how women ought to be good wives and mothers, and that didn't affect me personally because I was a teenage boy at the time. But you know, there should be a respect for the fact that God's word is being put on display. And so this Jew standing before this king. In chains, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? You gotta believe. You gotta believe. In fact, I find it interesting that when Agrippa did say, "You've almost made a Christian out of me, Paul," <laughs> like that, hush your mouth. And then Paul, I can just see him raising his shackled wrists and say, "I would." To God, that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day. I wish this whole crowd here were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bodies. You think I'm a fool? You think I'm a loser? You think I'm a joke? Here I am, standing in chains. I wish every one of you could have the experience that I have. That's how all of us as Christians ought to be. Especially the prophets back then and today. I'll tell you what, folks. If you don't know Jesus Christ and the free part of your sin, I feel for you. You might say, well, look at you. You're, you're getting old. And your, your health is this and you're this and this and this and this. Hey, I have something that nobody can take from me. I didn't acquire it because I was smart or I was in the right place at the right time. I'm a recipient of the grace of God. And if you're saved today, you should know it and you should show it. Amen. That's what it's about. <coughs> it's interesting. Uh, God told the people, don't harm the prophets. Did you know that? Some people, they couldn't wait for them to shut up. They'd help them out. Hush up. 
Psalm 105. This is a review of what God had done in the past. Verses 14 and 15. He that is Lord suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes. You ever heard of a guy named Nathan? David. Many times did the right thing. Many times had the right heart. Many times said the words that were honoring to God. But David did mess up big time. Dealing with a lady named Bathsheba. And he probably thought, well, the husband's dead, and I married her, and I guess I got all that under the rug. That's all behind me now. I can be happy as can be. And then God raised up a prophet, a guy named Nathan, and said, King, I've got a story to tell you. That was this guy. Let me tell you about this guy. He had lots of sheep. But when a man came to visit, he didn't take one of his sheep. He went to his neighbor. They had the one sheep, but he took that sheep and killed it and served it up to feed his company. And David said, I want to know the name of a guy who would pull a stunt like that. I'm not. He needs to get clobbered for that. You know what Nathan said? Oh, I'm just talking around here. See, that's the problem. We only, only want to go so far. But Nathan had the courage to have a stand that he took, and he did. And he said, you're the man. Now, sometimes, you're the man. That's a good thing. But in this case, you're the man was not a good thing. <clears throat> and David was smitten. Came out pretty good for Nathan. In fact, down the road, David had a son named Nathan. So I guess David didn't hold a grudge against Nathan. But it doesn't always come out that way because in the New Testament we read about a prophet named John. And John went to a king. And he said, it's not right for you to take your brother's wife. Now, if God had done with John, the same he did with Nathan. Nathan would have been honored, but instead, he lost his head. Some people say, well, I don't want to wind up like him. Let me tell you something. John was honored by the Lord. He called him a prophet and more than a prophet. That's, that's pretty good It tells us in 1 John 3 that Cain despised Abel. He slew him, left his body to rot in the field. And likewise, Israel persecuted the prophets. Jesus makes reference to that many a time. In uh, Romans chapter 11, Paul tells us something that Elijah experienced and attests. Let me show you Romans chapter 11.
Look at verses 2 and 3 of Romans 11. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Walk ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? That's in the New Testament. The same fellow we spell with J, Elijah in the Old. How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed my prophets. Oh, they build nice memorials to them after they've gotten them graveyard dead. Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down mine altars, and I am left alone. And they seek my life. Remember him? The one who stood at Mount Carmel against all of the, was it 250 of the prophets of Baal? And God showed himself strong. God caused fire to come down from heaven and consume the carcass of that bull. And the tongues of the flame even licked up the water. There was a ditch about it. How did the people react? Huh. Oh, well. No! They said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That prophet took a stand. And yet in the very next chapter when he got word that you know, the queen is really upset with you. He took it on the land. He got off the place and he said, Lord, I'm the last one. The Lord said, I got 7,000 who have not taken a knee to Baal. Sometimes we think we're the only ones. Sometimes we get the idea, you know, it just seems like we're fighting a losing battle. If you look at it as the devil would have you to, if you listen to the chiming in of the world, if you listen to your own flesh, but hear the word of Christ who beckons and encourages and sympathizes with, you don't have a stronger ally than the Lord himself. I hope you know that. Jesus tells about the wicked husbandman in Matthew 21. I won't for time consideration take you there, but I would remind you as I've already alluded to in the 23rd of Matthew. Let's read together verses 29 through 37. The Jews of Jesus' day, the religious leadership, the ones in positions of power and prestige. Jesus would say, Well, it's nice to join the ministerial alliance, whatever. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So he told Jesus, You need to be conciliatory. No, he called them as he saw them. Because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, Oh, with your mouth you sound so good, don't you? You say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. You know what? You just told on yourselves. You admit that you are the descendants of the very ones who destroyed the ones who came to bring a message of hope. A solution to the problem. 
Wherefore ye witness on yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. You're following in the footsteps of some stinkers, some sinners. You haven't learned the lesson of history. You haven't learned the lesson of the prophets. You haven't learned the lesson that God would have you to know. And so what's he called them? Ye serpents! Ye generation of vipers! Hey, that's the same thing that John called these rascals back in the third chapter. Yeah, there's still a generation of vipers. Snakes beget snakes beget snakes beget snakes. That's the way it is. Ever since Genesis 1, it says, after its kind, after its kind. You serpent, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? You keep on same old, same old. You're going to get the same response, the same result. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them ye shall kill and crucify. Some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. You see, the synagogue represented where the Jews would go. And when God would raise up a prophet, they didn't want to hear him. In the New Testament time, when, Jane, when John got up, they didn't want to hear him. When Jesus got up, they didn't want to hear him. When Peter, James, John, and Paul, and others got up, they didn't want to hear them. Even the Jews who prided themselves as God's chosen people, they didn't act like God's chosen people when they hated and despised and destroyed God's representatives. You do all these things that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. Starting when? From the blood of righteous Abel? Remember Cain and Abel? What Cain did to Abel generation after generation after generation after generation. Now I'm a semi-professional student of history. And I was just reading the other night about how that centuries ago some of our faith ancestors were persecuted not just by the Jews, not just by the heathen, but by what claimed to be the church of the living God. From Rome and other centers, they were targeted for taking us. You know, one of the main reasons why this country was founded, so some folks could come and worship God without being told by the king, by being told by those who were part of the problem, they wanted to be led of the Spirit. They wanted to read this book and obey the Son of God and what He has to say. That's why God is still in the business of saving souls and He's still in the business of founding churches and still raising up those to serve as prophets of this day. It is a privilege, it is an honor to know God and to be fed of the things of God. I know some dear precious people who, they don't have a, a church they can attend close by. But if they have a Bible, it's a lot better than nothing. If they can listen to 
somebody in a fellowship with somebody. I was in a bookstore the other day. <laughs> and they had a great book on the history of Baptists. You might have heard of The Trail of Blood. That's a good book. It tells you something about our forefathers, how they took a stand, how God raised up an age generation all over the place. People that said, this is what God said, and we're going to walk in this way. We don't care what the others are doing. We're going to do what God would have us do. We don't follow the traditions of men if they go contrary to what God has said in His Word. So I'm standing there talking to these two fellows. The thing that got started, one guy was, oh look, a trail of blood. I've had about a dozen copies. He grabbed them all. And he turned to his buddy. And he started, this is a great book. <laughs> Keep it spirit. And so, I get to, uh, by the way, here's, here's another good one. Oh yeah, so he grabbed that too. He said, we need to get the truth out. Wow, a couple of new friends. And my best friend in this world was in the store too. And she came over and I reached my I had one card and I gave it to the one guy. Trinidad was his name. And his friend Shannon was there. And up comes Marsha and she had an extra cards, so I gave him one too. And it was great. I never met these fellas. And to have a regard for the things of God, to know that God is still in the business. At Trinidad, he told he was Hispanic. He told me how he'd been down in I asked him if he knew Brother Maldonado in San Antonio. He's from San Antonio, but San Antonio is a big town. It's bigger than me. Bigger than Ben. I think it's bigger than Little Rock. It's big town. But uh, he cared about the things of God. It's great to know that there are others out there. Sometimes you can't get the idea. Well, I'm just on the backside of the desert someplace. I'm like old Moses. I'm like old Elijah. Guess what? The Lord is doing a great work. We need to know that. All over the place. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. From the blood of righteous Abel, it goes from A to Z, from Abel to Zacharias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. They hated God's man so much, they chased him in. And he got in what you think would be a sanctuary. It'd be like if somebody came in here and somebody else hated what they had to say. They chased him through those doors and came right up here and killed them, clawed them right here. Why? Because they dared to speak of Jesus Christ as the only Savior, the only hope, the only peace, the only rest that we can have is in Christ. Some people say, you know, I'm a member of the church. Church membership won't cut it, folks. Just ask Mr. Judas. He was on the whole. He even had a high position. You see, it's not a relationship that you have with people. 
It's not a relationship you have with the banker or with the college president or with any or every other group. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ makes people new in their mind, in their heart, in their eyes, in their ears. In every way we're made new creatures in Christ. Go with me please to Acts chapter 7. I am honored to be named. I am humbled, but also honored to have been named for this preaching deacon named Stephen. And Deacon was given Deacon. Stephen was given an opportunity to speak before a, an assembly. Probably what we know of historically is the Sanhedrin. And he doesn't hold back. He calls them all kinds of things. Look at verses 51 and 52 here in Acts chapter 7. He's getting down to the end. So much so that they didn't care for it at all. And they charged at him. They gnashed him. And they hauled him out of the woods. And they put him down in a hole. And they rocked him. They stoned him. They got him dead. And one of the witnesses was a young man then. And we know him as Saul of Tarsus. But look at what he said in verses 51 and 52. This is a prophet for you. He's not trying to smooth things over with the opposition. He's not saying, why can't we all just be friends? No. He's stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. See, it's a generational thing. Snake begets snake begets snake begets snake. Just like your fathers did, so you do. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one. He's talking about Jesus Christ. What have they done with him? Of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. Some people, well, I don't know if I'd put it quite that way. Stephen did. Peter did. Paul did. We should. We should understand. I'm going to close this morning with one verse of Paul's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse number 15. Folks, this world has never been a friend of grace. Even the religious world. They want to rest on their laurels. They want to take pride in their accomplishments. They want to have bragging rights of what they've done. Just like that fellow that got up to pray. Jesus said what he got up to say. Lord, I, I do this. And I, and I thank you. I'm not like other men. By the way, who let that dirt bag in here that publican? That's the scum of the earth. Now me, not Mr. Wonderful. If you never doubt, I'll tell you all about it. No. He wouldn't say, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He thought he was pretty good stuff. What's Paul saying? 1 Thessalonians 
He's talking about his own kinsmen, the Jews. This is not some stranger to the Jewish way. They were the ones who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. And you know what else they've done? Same old, same old. And have persecuted us. Now, wasn't Paul one of the ones who persecuted Stephen? Wasn't he on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 to snag those Christians? He wrecked havoc upon our church. He hated those who followed that renegade rabbi. He wanted to hush them up. But they have continued to persecute us. Paul has come over to the right side. Because the Lord gave him eyes to see and ears to hear. And they please not God and are contrary to all men. God is not pleased when somebody in the name of religion persecutes another. If you're a true child of God, don't spend your enemies persecuting somebody who doesn't seem like. Be kind. Speak the truth in love. But don't be afraid to speak out. And the Lord willing, next week I want to talk about how it is that the prophets were the ones not only who would stand for God, but when they would stand, they had something to say. And they would speak for God. Hope you'll meditate on that. Let's stand. Let's